Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today we invite you to look deeper into 1 Peter, tuning into our current series, Unshakable, Steadfast Hope in an Unpredictable World. Join us as we allow God's Word to shape us and renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the Gospel. Good morning. How are we all doing this morning? Good. It's nice and rainy out. Uh, my name is John Dalkey. if you don't know me. Um, if you're visiting, um, my name is John Dalkey. I'm the Community Outreach and Next Steps Director here at Woodside Lake Orion, and I am super stoked to be with you this morning. Uh, if you're visiting with us, we're, we just want to say welcome. We're so glad that you could be here. Uh, if you're watching online, uh, we want to say welcome. This is my first time, I have to say, that I've ever been able to speak online to many people. Um, i got to give a special shout out to um, some people watching in Nashville, Friends of mine, Jesse and uh, Catherine, they're watching this morning in Nashville, and so I told them I'd give them a shout out. Last weekend, I was able to go down. Yeah. Last weekend, I was able to get out of town with my wife and uh, go down to Nashville and spend our 10-year anniversary down there. She got me some anniversary boots. She knows the way to my heart. Um, Got me some ostrich skin boots. I've been wanting these for a long time, right? So she took me down there to Nashville. We spent the weekend together. I got some new boots. I am super excited and refreshed and glad, glad to be back here. Um, but man, we, I'm just blessed, I want to say, uh, to have such an incredible wife um, that supports me and literally has stuck by my side for 10 years. Um, I don't know how she did it, honestly. So, But I want to dive into our text, and I just want to tell you, man, I'm stoked to, to just preach this morning because God has been speaking to my heart this last week uh, as, I, as I opened his word and started to study this text um, he's really been speaking to me about some stuff. And I hope this morning that you'll open your heart, open your mind to what he has for you because I know that if you do, he will bless you in so many ways and he will speak to you as well. And so I wanna dive right into our text this morning. I wanna ask you guys, how many of you guys have traveled outside of the country? Let's see. Okay, many of you. Good. So I don't care if it's been Canada, Mexico, wherever you've gone, Haiti. I, this last uh, 10 years of my life, I've been here at Woodside, and I uh, was the student ministry director for about seven and a half years. And um, I was uh, blessed to be able to travel um, on mission trips and go um, out of the country several times on mission trips, taking high schoolers. Yeah, it's a, uh, not an easy task when you take high schoolers overseas, but I've been blessed to be able to do that and go to several different places and lead mission trips. But when you do, you go through um, TSA or customs, right, at the airport. And uh, when you go through that, they ask you a series of questions. They ask you, one, they want to know who you are, right? They want to see a passport. They want to see an identification of who you are. So they want to know who you are. The other question they ask is, where, why are you here? They want to know the exact reason of why you're here. And then they, want, they usually ask you where you're going. They want to know a specific address of where you're going. And that doesn't matter if you're going out of this country or back in. They want to know why you're here, where you're going, right? As I thought about those three questions, those three questions are really important for us as human beings to ask ourselves. At some point in our life, or maybe on a regular basis, we need to ask ourselves, who are we? Why are we here? And where are we going? Those are important questions because they help us get through life. They help us understand three things in our life. They help us understand our identity, our purpose, and our direction. Three major things that we need to know in order to flourish in life. 
And so the thing is, is that the further we get from our identity, our purpose, and our direction, the harder it is to make sense of life, right? When we don't understand who we are, when we don't understand our purpose in life, when we don't understand where we're going, it's hard to make sense of life and we come to these challenging times in our life. And the thing is, is not only do I think it's very important for us to ask those questions in our personal life, I think it's a great question to ask the church. It's great for us to ask ourselves as the church, who are we as Woodside? Who are we as the church? Why are we here and where are we going? And the thing is, is if we start to get away from that as a church, it can get confusing. But when we start to understand our identity, our purpose, and our direction, we as a community of believers, we as the church, can start to live as a group of people on mission and be intentional in that mission, right? We have to understand our identity, our purpose, and our direction. And today we're going to look at a, a passage uh, that helps us answer those questions of identity and purpose. And it's uh, in 1 Peter 2, uh, 9 and 10, and, and Tiffany was just reading that passage for us. And over the last few weeks, we've been in this series, Unshakable, and we've been going through the first couple chapters of Peter, and we've been looking at what God says about his church through these letters. And so Peter is uh, writing these letters to uh, um, uh, communities of believers that are scattered abroad over what's modern-day Turkey, and he's writing these letters to encourage them in their faith, encourage them to be faithful in these challenging times that they're going through. And so Peter knows that in order for these communities to continually be faithful, they have to understand their identity and purpose. And that's true for us today too. And Peter draws a distinction between those who have believed in Christ and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and those who have not and who have rejected Christ and so Peter then draws his attention towards those who have believed in Christ and begins to unpack for them the reality of that believers are God's redeemed people. Believers are God's redeemed people. And that's our big idea for today, that believers are God's redeemed people. For Peter, the answer to the questions of our identity and purpose are found in the reality of what happens to us when we trust Jesus, right? In that conversion, they're founded in that, that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, there comes our identity, right? And Peter knows that, and he really is helping us understand. He's helping them understand what it means to be redeemed by God, what it means to be God's redeemed people, and the implications that has for our community. And he does this by reminding us of three key phrases, these three key phrases. And the first one that he wants to remind us of is know who you are. Our first point, know who you are. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Peter starts out by giving a clear reminder of our identity when we trust in Christ. Right away in the text, he simply uses this statement, but you are. He's being very direct, but you are he wants us to understand and see that in Christ we have a very specific identity. And he uses these, these four markers to help us understand that. He says, we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a people for his own possession. Now when I think 
about Peter writing this letter, I don't think that Peter just sat down one day and he's like, I've got to figure out what God's people are. I don't think he just sat down and said, you know what, I think God's people are this. And maybe I can throw a little bit of that in there. And you know what, uh, yeah, the royal priesthood thing, that sounds good. He didn't just like pull these out of thin air. What Peter's doing here is he's drawing connections to the Old Testament. He's connecting the Old Testament that speaks of the identity of God's people and he's drawing it, these connections and he's using the Old Testament to speak to the identity. And in many ways, he's going back and looking at scripture to remind the church that we are called to live out these realities now. That what was good for them back then, that we are called to re- live out those realities now. And these phrases are intentional. He's very, very specific about them. He's strategic. And the first thing that Peter says about our identity is that we are a chosen race. That we're a chosen race. And Peter gets this idea from Isaiah 43, 20, where the Lord says to his people, he says this, the wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostrich, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the deserts, to give drink to my chosen people. To, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Part of the foundation of our identity or of the identity of God's people is that they were chosen by him. We did nothing to deserve it. God chose his people. He chose us. And what he did is he uniquely formed us as a race of people separate from the rest of humanity. That he uniquely formed us as a race of people. And because of this, we have a unique uh, um, relationship with Jesus Christ. We have the experience that we can actually have a relationship with Jesus Christ because he's chose us, because he set us apart as a different race of people. And it's important because when it comes to reminding ourselves of who we are, we have to look at God alone. He's the one that chose us and formed us before the beginning of the earth. And the other three phrases literally flow out of this understanding of God's election. And for the next three identity markers, Peter draws his uh, understanding of our identity from Exodus 19, four through six, which says this. And this is a key passage for the nation of Israel. Exodus 19, four through six says this. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore... If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. The passage was foundational to the nation of Israel and their identity and purpose. This takes place back when God had just rescued Israel out of the hands of Egypt, right? Under slavery, he had rescued them out of the hands of Egypt, and he takes them to Mount Sinai, and he speaks to Moses and says, man, this is what I want you to tell my people. And we see in the next passage over, in the next chapter, he gives them the Ten Commandments. But before he gives them the law, he wants to help them understand who they are. He wants to help them understand their identity 
in who they are. And so Peter now takes the foundational text and applies it to the church, helping them understand that they, they have now taken up that identity and purpose. They've taken up the same identity and purpose that Israel did. And he highlights three key phrases in this passage that mark our identity. The first one is, is we, are royal, we are a royal priesthood. The role of a priest in the Old Testament and in Peter's time, the role of the priest was to represent God to the people and to represent the people to God. And so what he's saying is, you are a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood. We are like little mini priests running around representing God. When I read this, and I started looking at this, I'm like, am I, John Dalkey, representing God in everything I do? Am I acting in a way that represents God to those around me in the world? And I had to be honest with myself. Sometimes I fail. Sometimes I don't represent God. I know it sounds hard, right? Even last week, I, I was reminded as I'm reading this, even last week, we're driving home from Nashville. And I can get road rage sometimes. So I'm literally driving the car, and one of my biggest pet peeves is when somebody is in the fast lane, it's a fast lane, and they're driving slow. And so there in the fast lane, this woman's in a truck in front of me, and she's on her phone. You can clearly tell. And there's a, a person next to them in the slow lane, what I call the slow lane, and they're doing what they're supposed to, but she's not. And it's not like she was like, oh, creeping. She just rode next to them for three minutes. And my wife is sitting next to me going, you need to calm down. And I'm like, no, she's in the fast lane. So I'm flashing my lights, right? Like, please, get out of the fast lane. I'm throwing my arms up like, what are you doing? Do you have any direction? And she sits there for three minutes. And I think the guy next to her realized I was getting angry and flashing my lights. So that person sped up. So me, being a Christian, I put those six cylinders to the floor. And I sped up around her in the slow lane and I flew around her and cut in front of her and I threw my hands up like, what are you doing? And then off I went at 70 mile an hour, right? <laughs> but man, we are supposed to be representations of God. And so I don't care if it's driving. I don't care if it's at your workplace. I don't care if it's at your school, on your sports team, wherever you are in your neighborhood. Do people look at you and say, you are a representation of God, a royal priesthood? Are you representing God well? He says we're supposed to be a royal priesthood. The next thing is we are a holy nation. Peter speaks to the fact that part of our identity is that we are set apart people. The word holy that he uses here simply means to be set apart. We're supposed to be set apart, holy as he is holy. That's pretty deep. The third thing is, is we are a people for his own possession. Peter speaks to the fact that we are a people who are specifically for God. Not only are we acquired by God, 
but our purpose and destiny are found uniquely in him. We are his possession. We're set apart for him. And we're supposed to represent him. And Peter, through these four phrases, is reminding us as the church of our key identity as God's people and the things that mark our identity. He's reminding us of who we are. And each of these identity markers speak to the fact that our identity is ultimately found in God and God alone. He chose us. We didn't like, man, we didn't do anything to deserve it. He literally chose us before the foundations of the earth. And we are ultimately God's for I, for our, and, and our, identi- our identity is in him. And the thing is, is this. It's very easy for us. We need to regularly be reminded of this because it's very easy for us to sometimes make church about something other than God. It's very easy for us to do that as believers, as Christians, to make church about something other than God and we have to come back to the reason why we're here, that our identity is found in Jesus Christ. And that's what Peter's trying to remind us. How many of you guys have kids? Or have had kids, right? Kids whine. How many, of your, how many of your kids whine? Yeah. I don't know if God just created them that way for us or what. But my daughter's sitting over there. She's hearing this. But kids whine. They literally cry about everything. Like, man, it's not good enough. I want a snack before bed, and I just ate dinner, or I whine about this, I whine about that. They constantly whine. But you know what? Sometimes they get hurt, right? And they start crying. And normally, it's not as bad as they're making it sound, right? My, my kids will get a scratch, and they're screaming like, there's blood everywhere. Oh, my word. I'm going to die, right? And I'm like, oh, my word, what's going on? And I look at their arm, and I'm like, oh, my word, it's just a scratch. And so I have to get down on their level, and I'm like, Ella, look at me. Look at me. It's just a scratch. I'm like, you're a dulky. You're tough. <laughs> now, I don't, know, I don't know if dulkies are tough, but that's what I use, and it works on them. So I'm like, you're a donkey, you're tough, stop, you can do this. And she's like, yeah, I'm tough, okay, I can do this, right? Maybe I should remind her that she's a child of God and, and not a donkey, but it works. Sometimes I literally remind her of that, and she's like, oh, yes, I can do this. It's a scratch, right? I'm not bleeding everywhere. I'm tough. We live out of who we understand ourselves to be, and that's why it's so important for us to remember who we are. We live out of that, right? In many ways, that's what Peter's doing with us here in this passage. He is reminding us that in the gospel, when we believe in Jesus Christ, we were chosen by God and given a whole new identity, and we are now part of his family. We need to remember who we are, that we are God's chosen people. And the fact that we are gods not only, not only shapes our identity, but it also gives shape to our purpose as well. And that's why Peter first reminds us of who we are. And the next thing he reminds us of is why are you here? Why you're here? We need to know why we're here. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you have, 
or you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peter quickly moves in verse 9 from the first part of that verse, the first half of that verse, and he's connecting them with a very specific word, the word that. He's using that word, and that, that word is very important because it gives us this purpose clause, right? He's saying that you are, right, that you may proclaim the excellencies. What is our purpose? To glorify God, to proclaim his excellencies. And that is our purpose. Peter, again, is likely drawing this from the Isaiah 43 passage that we just read. He's drawing this out of that. But what does it mean to proclaim his excellencies? What does it mean to proclaim God's excellencies? Dr. Wayne Groom helps us define uh, this reality in his commentary on 1 Peter, and he writes this, to proclaim God's excellencies is to speak of all he has done. Peter's word for proclaim is not used elsewhere in the New Testament, but is used several times in the Psalms to speak of praising God. What Grudem's helping us understand here is that our purpose as the church is to make known the glories and the excellencies of God. That is our purpose as the church, is to make known the glories and the excellencies of God. It's to make public who he is and what he's done. We're supposed to make that public. God brought us to himself and brought us from darkness to light, right? If I was to ask you, What's the best restaurant you went to? You'd probably tell me, right? Or if I go to a great restaurant and I have great food, what is the first thing I'm going to do? I'm going to be like, listen, I went to this restaurant. It's great. The food is incredible. Their service is great. If I was to go on a great vacation, I'd come home and I'd say, man, this was a great vacation. You got to go there and visit this place. The resort's awesome. I love it. It's awesome. I'm going back. We proclaim the excellencies of a lot of different things, don't we? But if I was to ask you today, how often do you proclaim the excellencies of God? How often do I proclaim the excellencies of God? God literally died on the cross for me. He's redeemed me. He's given me life. He's taken me from darkness to light. He's given me from death to life. And I don't sit and proclaim the excellencies of him. I love seeing new Christians. I love when somebody is maybe a little bit older and they accept Christ as their savior. What happens? It's like a complete conversion. They're like, oh my word, I love Jesus. They tell everybody about it. They want to you know, get out there and say, I've accepted Christ. I've done this, right? I think for some of us, it was so long ago that we don't remember. That we don't remember what God did for us. And so we don't proclaim the excellencies of God. And that's what we're called to do. That's our purpose, is to lift him up, to glorify God, to bring him glory in all that we do. So that when we go out into the world, those that don't know Jesus can see a difference in us. And they see who we are in Christ. And they want what we don't, or what we have, what they don't have. That's why we glorify God. 
That's why we proclaim his excellencies. We lift him up. And this is our ultimate purpose, and it's important for us to know that purpose. And to be honest with you, let's be honest, it's not always easy, right? It is not always easy to live in our identity and to understand our purpose. Sometimes things happen in our life, especially right now, during a pandemic, we've lost people. People are sick. Diseases happen. You might have lost your job. Your family's broken up. There are so many factors that it's hard to proclaim the excellencies of God. And sometimes we get caught up in that and we're like, man, I don't see the end in sight and I don't know how to proclaim the excellencies of God. And we start to lose the fact that our identity is in him and we start to lose that vision of where our identity is and we lose it and we don't proclaim the excellencies of God. And that is why Peter wants to root these realities in something beyond ourselves. We have to. In verse 10, he wants us to know what God did. 1 Peter 2.10 says this, Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. As Peter unpacks our identity and purpose, he ultimately roots it in the things of God, in God's actions. He wants us to remember and know what God did for us. He wants us to remember what God did for us so that we can proclaim what he's done for us, right? He is reminding them of what took place in their conversion. Prior to faith in Christ, they lived as those in darkness. Sin had blinded their eyes, and they lived alienated from God, God's mercy and God's people. However, God then came out of darkness and brought them into the place of light. And that is what happens when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so Peter wants them to know what God did. What God did. He wants us to understand that. Man, I'll tell you, when I start to understand what God did for me on the cross, and I start to remember that, it fuels me, right? We need to remember the gospel. We need to remember what God did for us on the cross. I love building fires. Any of you guys like building fires? Man, I love building fires. In our house, we have this uh, fireplace, and I love um, building fires this time of year because it's one, I just love fire, but two, um, it, it heats our house, right? So that's pretty much the main source that heats our house. So every night before I go to bed, I build a big fire in the fireplace and I shove a bunch of logs in that fire. And what happens is, is that fire gets really hot and it's flaming and burning, right? And it has a purpose. What's the purpose of the fire? To heat my house, right? It has a benefit to it. It's heating my house. But then I go to bed and I come back out in the morning, and that fire might have a little tiny flame or some ambers in there, but it's pretty much gone out. Because what do you need for a fire? Fuel, right? You got to have some sort of wood or gas or something. And by morning, that fire goes completely out, and what do I have to do again? 
I have to put a log on it. And it's kind of the same thing for us as believers, as Christians. Man, we let that fire go out. And I know in my life it's happened so many times. That we don't put any wood on the fire. We don't remember the gospel. We don't remember what God did on the cross for us so that we can go out and proclaim his mercies, proclaim who he is, proclaim his excellencies, right? But I'll tell you, like, I know that when I put a log on the fire, I get really fired up. I do. When I study God's word, man, I just get fired up. I want to go tell people about it. When I come to church on Sunday morning, it's like putting a log on the fire. And I come and worship him. That's why we do things like this. That's why we have gatherings where we come to church, we sing together, we praise him, we, we listen to a message, and then we go out in the community and we pro proclaim his name. That's one of the main reasons why we have life groups. If you're not in a life group, you need to be, because guess what? That is where small communities of believers go out. They study God's word. They serve in their communities. They love each other. They encourage each other. They lift each other up. They're constantly reminded of the gospel so that they can proclaim the excellencies of God. And so I just want to ask you today these three questions again. Who are you? Is your identity found in him? Because it's very easy for us to put our identity in other things, in our job, in how successful we are, in our finances, in our family, how well our family is. It's easy for us to put our identity in other things other than God. So is your identity in God and God alone? So who are you? Ask the question, why are you here? Why are we as a church here? Are you proclaiming the excellencies of God? Are you being a light to those around you? Are you in your communities, in your home, or are you bringing yourself up? Are you proclaiming the excellencies of God? And then third, where are you going? And this might be the most important question for you to ask. Some of you watching on, on the live stream, some of you that are here today may not know what it's like to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And you might ask me like, John, I'm here. I don't know what that means. I've never done that. I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I don't know where I'm going. We would love to talk to you about that. We would love to have a conversation with you. We would love for you to write a, a comment and let us know how to get a hold of you online. Because we want you to know where you're going. We want you to know your direction. We are sons and daughters of God, just as we're about to sing about. That he's chosen us. That he's given us life. That he's brought us from darkness to light. And when we constantly remind ourselves of the gospel and what he's done on the cross for us through the death and resurrection, we can live in that with purpose. And we can be a community of believers on mission for him and we can know our identity is found in him thank you for joining us as we study god's word together we would love to hear how god is moving in your heart and get you connected into the woodside bible church family 
Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.